0: Now I'm lying to my parents, I'm lying to myself, and I just felt like I was betraying God in a way of everything that I knew I shouldn't be doing. Being broken down as much as I was broken down, in the end, has rebuilt me in this in this beautiful goddess, you know, uh, version of myself that I am today.
1: I turned 50, y'all, and I started a podcast.
0: Really, age is just a number.
1: It comes down to how we choose to live and the choices we make in our life, When those things accumulate. Don't let the programming of life keep you from doing things every single day that that make you happy. When we feel good, it's easy to think good. Life is not happening to you. You are your life. You are happening to your life. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. In this episode, I am talking with my friend, Ashley. Where she shares her very intimate experience in a sugaring relationship, where she was a sugar baby and had a sugar daddy um, for over three years. Um, we talk about kind of the construct of these relationships and how they can be and what they might mean and how it feels to be in them. What are the um positive aspects? What are the potential negative aspects? Are there any long-lasting effects? What can we take from these um, types of relationships and incorporate them into more traditional modern day relationships? I think it's a fascinating conversation and I hope you enjoy it. And remember, make every day a good day to die. Hey, Ashley.
0: Hey, lady, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm happy to be talking to you. I don't get to see you very much anymore or lately.
0: I know, I know, but hopefully when you come back, we'll be able to get back on our monthly hangouts.
1: Yeah, at least monthly, at least monthly. But um, I'm, I'm very interested and have very much been looking forward to talking to you today about this subject, which before you and I talked about it, I really didn't know much about it and the subject, and you, you correct me if you know better. I mean, you do know better, but the subject is sugaring or, you know, having a sugar daddy or a sugar mommy. I mean, is there another way that you would describe it or other?
0: No, I mean, I call it sugaring, um, in general, just because that's just what I've always heard it as is sugar. Sugar daddy, sugar mama, sugar baby, um, that just seems like to be like the ultimate word used, um, whether it's in a song, you hear it in a song, or you hear a friend talking about it, or I don't know, um, looking it up on the internet, it seems to be a over, um, well-rounded word for it.
1: Sugaring. Okay. Sugaring. So just so that we have a, just a general idea, like as we get started, I mean, I did a little bit of research because I, I didn't really know a lot about this and in, in anticipation of this conversation. So I found this interesting um, definition on psychology today. It was an, uh, an article on psychology today, which I'll cite in the um, show notes, but um, this is just a kind of a little bit of an overarching definition. So a sugar baby is somebody who receives gifts including cash in exchange for company, which can include sex, but doesn't have to a sugar daddy. A person who gives such gifts is typically wealthier and older than the sugar baby. The case of sugar mamas (laughs) is rarer, probably since women are less willing to pay for sex. Sugaring is also present among homosexual people and the author, uh, says that in his article, he focuses on the most common relation, which is between sugar babies and sugar daddies. Um, He goes on to say that some sugar daddies provide allowances, namely a fixed amount every week or every month. Some pay by date. Sometimes there's no concrete agreement and the sugar baby relies on the gifting whims of the sugar daddy. Some sugar daddies want to meet several times a week. Others prefer once a month. Um, it can the, the, it can range from hand holding and cuddling to a full sexual encounter. Sugar daddies are usually seeking both companionship and sex. Um, so that's kind of the general kind of overview. Is there like is there anything more you want to contribute to that before we kind of get into your story that
0: we're going to talk through today? Sugaring is is when two two people come together with a mutual agreement on what one wants to receive and give. And so the, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just mainly like being so clear on your intentions of what you're looking for out of that person and what you're willing to give. So I just add that little touch too.
1: Yes, that it's a it's a understood agreement. And it's, you're agreeing that there is going to be some kind of transaction. I'm going to contribute this and and the other person's going to contribute this. And both people are getting something that they want. And it's like, unlike normal dating relationships, a lot of that goes kind of unsaid or, or, or assumed or manipulated for, or all of these kind of out here things. But in sugaring, it's just a very direct, like, uh, understood.
0: Yeah. Very understood. It's what is missing out of a lot of relationships, which is coming out of asking the questions. What do you want? What am I willing to give? Being very clear with yourself. And, and then what being very clear with what I expect from, you know, in return. So, yeah.
1: I, you know, as I was doing this research and thinking about your story and, you know, kind of, I've taken some time to really think through this and, um, and it is really interesting because a lot of the articles that I've read kind of position sugaring somewhere in between dating and, you know prostitution, you know, basically, I mean, you know Mm -hmm. that, but there's this continuum of relationships, right. Um, traditional dating prostitution and sugaring is like somewhere in between, um, where it can be very dating, like, um, but you don't have these undisclosed goals. Um, you know, like in one article I read, you know, somebody was saying that like, in traditional relationships, a lot of people might say, My goal is to get married and have babies. But in a sugaring you stay relationship. At home
0: nice or stay-at-home dad, you know, and their sole goal is to just be this while someone else goes out there and provides for the family. Right. Kind of like <laughs> an arrangement in a way.
1: Right. Especially, yeah. As but 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 a lot of times in the dating world, you don't specific, I mean, some, some people really do state exactly what they want. I mean, and we can talk a little bit more about that too, but I agree with you as far as sugaring goes, you have that communication, you have that direct um, understanding of what the transaction is and, um, and, and that's got to feel very freeing and very, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know. You tell me how it feels. So it is do you want to,
0: it is the last two, you know, guys that I've kind of started to date, um, or think about dating. It was, there was no mystery in between what are, what are they looking for? What's going to happen? Um, are we just going of going with the flow? Like there's no, nothing I'm holding back anymore because I just come out and say, here, this is what, I want, I want X, Y, and Z. What are you looking for? Can we, you know, meet somewhere in the middle with and get where we want to go. And as far as a long-term relationship stands and and it does, it's more freeing when you just are able to ask the right questions and get to straight kind of to the point versus wasting time.
1: Right. And uh-huh. so you're talking about these, you're, you're saying right now, these last two relationships, these are people that you are, in, that you were interested in actually having a, a real dating love relationship with
0: Correct. that
1: you are now utilizing some skills that you've learned in your history to, to, you're like using those skills in your current relationships and you're finding that beneficial.
0: Correct.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, why don't we back up and start at the beginning and, um, why don't you share your story?
0: Tell us, yeah. tell us how we got here. So how we got here, well, how I got here was um, I went through a severe heartbreak um, early in life. I was around 18 years old. And um, from that heartbreak just threw me in a loop for things. And when I started to want to date again or kind of date again, I just was wanting to look for someone not to fall in love with, but... Someone where I can just go do life activities with, where we were going to go to the movies and we were going to, you know, uh, go grab dinner and go on hikes and just someone to, of the opposite sex to be with. And so um, I was explaining to a girlfriend, I was in cosmetology school at the time, and I was explaining to her, I just want someone like a, a companion, but I don't want to have any of like the relationship status kind of, uh, you know, anything added to extra to that than just company. And so, um, we, uh, we're talking and she goes, well, it's kind of like an arrangement. And I was like, what's, what's an arrangement? You know, I'm 18 years old. And, uh, she's like, well, there's this, um, site where you can go and you can find, you know, you kind of like put a profile together and you can uh, put on your profile. What are you looking for? What are you like willing to give some of your photos, you know, fill out your description of who you are. And so I um, get on the site and it was called um, seeking Seeking arrangements, which I think is still around.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And this is right when it first, like, launched, uh, over 10 years ago. I can't believe that <laughs> over 10 years ago. And, um, so I, uh, got on the site and being who I was, was very professional. And I, my, my profile came off as a resume. And the first person that I attract was this guy who viewed it as a resume actually. And, um, asked if we can meet up for coffee and he wanted me to be an intern for a fashion magazine that he was starting in Seattle. And um, and he wanted me to be his right hand executive assistant intern and put all of the photo shoots together and um, help assist with like uh, the different uh, directors of the magazine and putting all the pieces together, bringing it to life. And it was a digital magazine. So it wasn't, a physical copy. Um and it was a lot of fun. And I got to go out, hang out with him, and everything was a business expense for him. So we would go get drinks and have fun and explore this world. And it was just simply friendship. It was nothing more than that. Um, I really didn't dive into exploring more than that until I turned well, not with him, but I didn't explore other profiles, other men on Seeking Arrangements until 21. Um, and that's when I moved to Arizona.
1: So let me just just interrupt you for one second. So you, this first gentleman that you met on Seeking Arrangements, you were 18. How old was he? I want to
0: say 34, 35. 35.
1: And how long did that relationship last? We're still friends today. But how long were you actively kind of like working with him and running around? And- um,
0: about, so it was like 18, 19. So it was about two and a half years.
1: Yeah. And so for that whole time, he like paid for every single dinner, every single event. Did he ever like buy you mm-hmm. clothes or or? Give you I'd get to
0: keep some. I'd get to keep the clothes that we would. I'd go to Nordstrom, um, and Eddie Bauer, and all these places to like get clothes for the shoot, and I'd be able to keep them
1: really. Yeah,
0: it was awesome. And some of the jewelry, some not, um, some of the things that they asked for in return. But usually, when you go to these big brands and you're asking for items for a photo shoot, they don't expect mm-hmm. them to be given back. Wow. And did
1: you guys travel together as well? Or was it all in Seattle?
0: It was all in Seattle. Uh-huh. I don't think we, yeah, it was all in Seattle. And then and he, you, go ahead. No, you go ahead. From there, he also just opened this world of like being, meeting all these other like high end people and then just naturally involved with a scene. It was starting to create, a certain lifestyle, a certain scene, you know, I'm dressing differently. I'm Mm -hmm. holding myself differently. Mm -hmm. And I'm just Mm -hmm. around, you know, people that I normally wouldn't. um, Were you being paid
1: separately? Like were you being paid a, a salary or were you being paid specifically just in the gifts and the dinners and the experiences and the, and the work experience?
0: I was being paid specifically in the work experience the exposure that he was giving me, I was also just graduated from cosmetology school, so I was getting hands-on experience to do the hair on the models. I was getting hands-on experience. Mm-hmm. Um, by networking, I met so many you know business owners and people that needed their hair done, and so I ended up kind of accumulating early on through that work exposure from him um, a, a clientele.
1: That's amazing. For-
0: than this, a high-end salon I was working at, and and so while you
1: were working for him, or interning for him, or having this you know transactional relationship with him, um, you were also going to cosmetology school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I just took that time to my um, my parents paid for cosmetology school. They said, "Don't worry about working." I had a job from sixteen till about 18 and a half almost 19 and then cosmetology school came and it was only about it was only a 13 month program and during that time um my family was like just focus on cosmetology school we'll pay for everything um quit your job get through the school do the best that you can and then also during that time is when I was starting to intern so I still had Work, I just wasn't being paid to do it. and it was mm-hmm. flexible work, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Valuable experience for what you wanted to do later. yeah, okay. so then what happened after this this guy?
0: Um after this guy, I had just this life like altering, um I don't know, just essence hit me, and I was like, I don't want to be in Seattle anymore. Like this is not for me. And I just woke up, like opened my eyes. I, was, I remember where I was. I was in downtown Seattle walking around and I'm like, I need to go live. And this isn't, I don't feel like I'm living right now. And I don't know why I just got fluttered all of a sudden with all of these emotions. And, and um, I don't know, I guess just, I, I was in the moment of just listening to myself. And so from, from that moment, I started to put together, um, everything I needed to move to Arizona and, um, packed up my car, moved to Arizona. And right when I got to Arizona, that's when I kind of started exploring, um, seeking arrangements site again is because I came to an area that I didn't know anyone. Um, I didn't have a job. And I, yeah, want, I just kind of was like, why not? It's kind of like, I think Tinder was out during that time. It was kind of like Tinder, but Tinder was like for like serious dating or just sex or whatever. I don't know what it is nowadays, but, um, so yeah, I, I came out here and I just started going on dates, um, and just dates I never still wanted to do explore anything sexual, and on those dates, I was still just had in mind someone that I can go do life activities with, um, a companion. But I wasn't ready yet to explore the a, a transaction of of giving myself in, in, in return for a companion and one of the things Mm -hmm. that I was looking for. You're like,
1: you get to hang out with me. That is what you are getting, sir. Okay. You get my presence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) Accept it. (laughs) Yeah. And it was super crazy because I went on so many dates when I came here. And all of them in Scottsdale, Old Town, um, some in Paradise Valley, some in Ahwatukee. But, I mean, majority of the men that I was going on dates with don't have on their profile that they're married. Um, or they do. And they're just honest. And 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 they're honest with, hey, I am married, but I started to learn about all these stories of of why are you married on and on this site? And that started to explore my mind. Like what is going on here? Are these women doing something wrong in their marriage to like push the men away to seek outwards to other women? And so I started asking men questions on these dates, like, okay, so, you know, what's going on with your marriage? Because in that time, it's just very naive and, and I thought that if I could learn from what these men are saying about their what's going wrong with their marriages, that I'm gonna put a list together of to be the ultimate wife.
1: Right? Wow.
0: that's how I was receiving it. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure, you know, I don't do that and I don't wow. do this. And, so that I can like, and then it started to scare me after a while because I'm like, this list is pretty. Pretty fucking big. Like you have wow. to be. And then after a while, I started thinking, I'm like, well, hold on, maybe it's not the women necessarily. It's not all in the women that are pushing, you know, their men away. But it still just was intriguing to me to always hear all these different stories. Whether um, you know people were together finance just for financial reasons, or they were they were together because the love was lost. Um, they didn't want to get divorced until their kids were, you know, 18, um, or simply lack of communication. And that one always made me laugh because I'm like, "You're coming into an arrange, asking an arrangement from me, and having clear communication on what you want out of me, but you're not going to go and try to communicate with your wife." Right. I would always, always. Bother me, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um, out of so- all those dates, I, I I never moved forward with an actual arrangement with any of those any of those guys.
1: And so, why do you think? Like, how many of the how many like first dates did you go on, and why do you think none of them move forward?
0: I went on about maybe eight to ten the first mm-hmm. couple months that I was here, and none of them again. I didn't want, I still wasn't, I wasn't open to the idea of being sexual with anyone. And a lot of these men wanted something sexual in return. And I wasn't there yet mentally. It wasn't, I'm like, no, like I just want a companion and, um, and I'll cuddle and I'll give you my presence, but that's all you're going to get. Right. So that's why I wasn't, I wasn't mentally, for me, it, you have to mentally get me to want you, to want to be with you. Um, you have to make me curious. I don't know. Like I'm very a mental person in mm-hmm. order to be in, uh, to want to be involved physically. Mm-hmm. And I know about this, know this about myself. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so you checked it out, you, 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 you explored it, you, you were making notes mentally or otherwise about what these men were citing as their reason for being on the, on the, on the seeking arrangement site and doing this. And, and, um, and then, and then what happened after that stretch of time?
0: After that, I, um, I was uh, invited to, it was the Pacquiao fight. That was his last fight, I think, that he's ever done. Um, and uh, at someone's house, that actually, um, a man that I know, well know of uh, his house. And um, that, this story is the story now that we begin to open up the, uh, open up the doors of what my true last and, and last, um, arrangement has been. And, um, so I, I go to a family friend's house. Um, we're sitting, talking, he's, he has all of these people at his house, beautiful, gorgeous house. Um, and for the first time ever, like we, we like, we lock eye contact. And in that moment, I just knew, I knew he he wanted more than just me being over there to enjoy the Pacquiao fight.
1: So just just to back up a little bit, you were invited by a family friend, somebody that you've known for a while who lived lives, lived in Arizona and, and, and he reached out and said, Hey, you should join us for this event I'm having at my house. And so you said, okay, sure. And you were there. Yep. Okay, cool. And then you locked eyes and you said, okay.
0: Knew in that minute that it was, it was over. (laughs) (laughs) Game over. Game over. I was like, Oh God. I mean, this guy was rich. Um, I was comfortable with him. I I've known him since, you know, I was, I don't even know. 15. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows my parents. He grew up in uh, Seattle. And there was just like the sense of like automatic security and comfort of, mm-hmm. that I already had around him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, yeah, from, not that night, it was an it was another night that he pretty much put me in a position to where I said yes to accepting an arrangement with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was so natural, and again, because I was familiar with him, I think that's why I finally gave in to um, an actual physical relationship with him was because I felt secure around him and comfortable. And that was now what you would call or what you would hear of other people saying a a traditional sugar, daddy sugar baby arrangement.
1: And that lasted about three years. Okay. So a three-year relationship. So my question to you If I was hearing the story for the first time, I would say, wait a minute. If there was this older, rich gentleman that I was super attracted to and that was super attracted to me and we wanted to get together and explore a relationship, why was it an arrangement and not just a relationship?
0: The reason being is because he was married. Okay. He was married and um, also even if he wasn't married, my family knew him, you know, they were very close with him. He's uh, older than me. I think, I think only about, I don't know, 13 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, still younger than my parents, but older than me. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so there was no, there was no hope or interest even at the time for being in an actual relationship. On your side. On my side and his side too. It had to be an arrangement.
1: Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. So you, you, you embarked on a relationship, on an arrangement. I'm sorry. On an arrangement. And did you like, did you explicitly talk about it or like, did you, was it just kind of like, okay, we're doing this and we, we kind of know what we're doing or did you talk about it? It was
0: so effortless. I mean, this is like a diamond in the rough, um, arrangement because I never had to ask for anything from him. He just naturally had this character about him where, um, one day living in Arizona, it's easy for, you know, flat tires to happen. And Mm -hmm. I had a flat tire and it was, my car was just sitting in my driveway and all I asked him was, Hey, do you know, um, do you have a referral company to, uh, that you can send me um, their information so I can call them and get my tire replaced. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'll call you back in a little bit. Um, calls me back and says, um, you're going to have someone knocking on the door. They're going to pick up your car. They're going to give you a temporary car. I'm having all <laughs> the tires replaced. Your windows need to be tinted. You live in Arizona. You can't be having, you know, non-tinted. Wow. Windows. Detailed my car. I mean, this guy, you at like, I didn't even, ask, I just asked him for a referral and he just, boom, t- took care of paying for all of this, all of these things. I never had to ask him. We'd go on dates. Um, He'd see like, my nail is chipped right now a little bit. He'd, 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 see, he'd see that, you know, my nails chipped. And he'd be like, here's $200, go get your, or $300, here's go, go get your nails done. Um. He would just automatically take me out uh, to dinner. Um, I moved around a little bit. He always would throw me, you know, a couple thousand dollars just to get help pay for things, get settled into wherever I was at the time. And it was so effortless. He just, he just thought for me.
1: Like Mm -hmm. he, he
0: always put himself like in my shoes and like, this is what I would need. And this is what I would want. And it was kind of like, in a way, he was doing it to kind of keep me not silent, but kind of in a way silent mm-hmm. about our our relation or our arrangement, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Looking back at it now. Cause so I'm like, oh, twenty-one just receiving all these gifts. I, and I never had to ask for a thing. And that was like my most mind-boggling, mind-boggling part of it is most arrangements. You're like, I want, you know, I need this amount of money for rent and I want, you know, you to pay for my hair getting done and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I never once had to ask for a single thing.
1: That's amazing. And this went on for three years
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm, I'm just like, I don't know if this is relevant, but I'm just thinking of like, you're in Arizona, he's married. Is, did it ever feel like odd, like when you were out with him and like, if you'd be at a restaurant or, I mean, were you ever worried about somebody that he knows would be in the same place and see you guys or?
0: He would always take us to places where he knew the owners um, or like most of the time, if it was just him and I, we would go kind of out outside the main area of where he lived. Still nice places, but like more like maybe like downtown Phoenix or like North North Scottsdale area. Um, if we stayed kind of close um, in proximity to where he lived, he would invite a friend, a guy friend or two to join us. So it was always... Um, not just him and I to be spotted, but yeah, I, I don't, I mean, his wife had friends, but it was mainly like he knew everyone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and his wife stayed home. Um, she didn't really go out and do much. Do you, do you think his friends knew what was going on? Oh, his friends knew entirely. I mean, I had two of his friends approach me and be like, hey, they would say, they would ask me when he was out of town, oh, when he's out of town, do you want to, you know, be in an arrangement? I'll take you out. We'll have sex. Stop. We'll do these things. Yeah. And that was, those moments were, made me feel borderline prostitution. And when I was in an arrangement with someone who never made me feel that way whatsoever, right. And I, it even got to the point where I had to talk to the man that I was with about his friends and saying, Hey, this is not okay. And that was kind of like the first time we ever had to set boundaries about other people knowing about us.
1: Wow. That's gnarly, yeah. dude. You've seen that movie, Pretty Woman with um, Richard yeah. Gere. And yes. It's, this sounds like Pretty Woman.
0: It totally, it it was, it was a dream. It was, it was a dream, but it was real. And I mean, he bought me a new car. Um, he, he just, he took care of me in so many ways and, and to where love did develop between us, but it was still, I had to learn how to hold back so much, Mm. um, which also goes into the part of when we were when he, when we started to become, you know, um, intimate. It was really killing the side of my upbringing, of my moral value and and what's 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 right and what's not. And when you start to kind of cut through and edge past your moral value. And you break through those gates. Holy shit, dude, like everything's game. Right. And then you're like, wait, what are boundaries now?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that Mm -hmm. kind of opened up for another conversation later, you know, just a whole nother side of me that I had to build back and build those walls back up of moral value and, um,
1: boundaries. So for you, the boundary that you were, the moral boundary you were breaking for yourself, I'm assuming was that because he was married. And so you felt like that was breaking uh, that you were going against your own moral value. Is that, is that right?
0: Yes. It really, really broke me down. And then to have a face on you know i would still go and travel and see my parents for the holidays and so for those 3 years um to uh go back and 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 confront my parents and then having a second like having a big lie now physically in front of them lying about oh you know yeah i'm doing great i'm living in this place and working you know here and in reality it was like this man has been supporting me through Mm -hmm. this whole life and so now i'm lying to my parents i'm lying to myself and i just felt like i was betraying god in a way of everything that i knew i shouldn't be doing Hmm.
1: now looking back you know more, what is it like seven years ago that you ended the relationship? Something like that or five years ago?
0: I ended it. It'll be, it was just four years in, it was just four years this past Memorial. Right.
1: You started three years ago. You ended four years ago. So do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like you acted immorally? No. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, so in the moment, because I was so young and I was so attached to still, you know, my God, my beliefs, um, fresh out of living at home, you know, with my parents, um, that it, it really struck me hard then, but now looking back at it, I feel like there... I don't know how to explain this. Um, I feel like there was this part of me that needed to essentially break free from being so tied to what's okay and what's not okay and to have a kinder heart on life and for myself, Um, being broken down as much as I was broken down. In the end, has rebuilt me in this in this beautiful goddess, you know, uh, version of myself that I am today. And so I don't one regret anything that I, I went through, and I also feel like, in in a way, that that was my path, that was God's mm-hmm. path for me. Either way, I needed to go through that. I needed to break down mm-hmm. to build myself back up in a different way. To now see the world with different eyes, mm. much kinder eyes and, and a little bit more love for people and their situations. And, um, you know, my parents were, were got divorced. Um, you know, my dad was, had cheated on my mom. And so I already experienced that. And now as an adult, being in a situation where I was the other woman. I can have a little bit of a better conversation with my dad and having a little bit more of an understanding with what he, his decisions were. And also, you know, a little bit more sympathy and and remorse for my mom and what she went through on her side and other people and their, you know, relationships. And it's also just helped me see clearly on the bullshit too, that we have to deal with in today's modern relationships and fidelity and monogamy you know and it's like i have such a clear understanding now at a very young age to be like this is what i don't need to fucking deal with and this is what i'm willing to deal with
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm interested if you're willing to share what exactly is it that you're not willing to fucking deal with like would you would you share with me what, what that is
0: Yeah, I, I, am not willing to deal with, I'm not going to be trading, um, you know, my body for, I'm not going to be in an arrangement anymore. Um, after that, uh, the three year arrangement ended, that was, I still had some sort of like living in survival mode because I, um, was always used to having a crutch, Mm -hmm. um, which was him. He was my crutch. And so to take that away and now I'm like, shit, I've got to really work hard. I really, I've got to pay these bills. I got to live within my means. Um, I've got to relearn how to be independent
1: mm-hmm. again, which mm-hmm.
0: took some time. Um, so what I'm not willing to deal with is uh, when you start dating, when I start dating someone, um, you know, someone that's just all about sex.
1: Mm-hmm
0: all about sex. And I, I, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm not sending you pictures. I'm not, you know, like, I don't care if you do, if that's your thing. Like if, you know, some people like immediately send, you know, sexual pictures and and that's great. But for me personally, I'm talking about, I want to get to know you as a person. So I'm not dealing with someone that immediately just wants to solely talk about sex anymore, Mm. because that doesn't matter to me. Um, I mean, it does to a point, but within a relationship, again, going back to the beginning, you have to get me mentally into you to be then physically involved with you and Mm. being more clear now that I don't have to just please someone. That's what I fell into for a long time was that I needed to please a man Mm. to get what I wanted
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm.
0: that's one of the, I don't mess around with that anymore. If I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. And I give my permission, I give myself permission to not need to please someone to get what I want.
1: I love that. That's amazing that you're, you're able to crystallize that and, and those concepts. Um. At the age you're at, I mean, are you? Remind me again. Are you 27 going on 28?
0: I'm 28 going on 29, dude.
1: (laughs) Get my ages right. Wow. Um, Oh yeah, and your is your birthday in October? September. Oh my gosh, honey. Um, But no, it's beautiful, and it's like um, you know, I think that there's this layer of societal programming. that says that you know women should be people pleasers right And we um, grow up in this culture that um, either directly or indirectly you know overtly or subliminally or all of the above, you know kind of trains us and sets up a system where we're expected to kind of mold ourselves and bend ourselves and and really manipulate people in order, to be liked. I mean, really Mm -hmm. that's what people pleasing is. Attention all people pleasers. It's just a form of manipulation. But, um, you know, and then recognizing at a certain point that we have agency, that we have a say, that we don't know anybody, anything, including our smile, including our presence, much less sex, you know, but at the same time, if that is what we want, we can have that too. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's the, it's it's only
0: if that's what you want.
1: Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's amazing. And so you, you let's, let's, let's kind of complete the story. So you, you spent three years in relationship with this person and then, and then what made you finally leave that relationship or how did that go?
0: I came, um, I moved away again. And we were, uh, moved back to Seattle, moved back to my parents' house and long story short, it's just, I was confronting my parents all the time. I was trying to live without a crutch. Um, I, I racked up my debt. I, I just felt really low in life. Um, and being around my parents, 24-7 seeing them, seeing how they talked and hyped up this man that I was just, you know, I I'd been in a relationship with for the past year, three years, seeing that seeing them talk about him just constantly was like in my face. And I just started feeling all this like my morals and my sins, and all of it starting to come back. And it's like I started developing panic attacks. I started having the worst sicknesses of my life because. I started to really get into a deep state of depression, really, really deep state of depression. Um, and so hard on myself and, and this moment came where finally I, I, I didn't want to live in this state of, of stress and anxiety and feeling like I'm fucking up in every, everything that I'm, I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. and, I need to come clean. And so I finally, uh, told my parents, we were all Memorial weekend drinking out at our second house. And, um, I had a friend from LA in town with me. And so she was kind of like there as my moral support to support to tell my story to my parents. Wow. And so I told them and, um, they reacted in a way that I never would have imagined. Uh, I thought they were going to immediately be like, get your shit, get out of our house. You know, you're a disgrace. Um, You should be ashamed of yourself. Like all the things that I was thinking, you know, like of myself already, I thought that they were going to like, those words were going to come out of their mouths. And it it totally didn't. They did quite the opposite. We all, my mom and my dad and I were all holding each other on our knees. Mm crying and they just felt so upset that they, they they thought that you know they didn't do a good job protecting me you know mm-hmm. from from their friend um and that they they felt sad that they, I couldn't talk to them earlier about this that I let it evolve for 3 years and there's so many things that conversations that we had for them uh, that they questions they asked me like what did he do for you like how did it get started and um and they just responded to my to my my truth with so much love mm. it wasn't it was just beautiful and the first week after I still felt like just this rush of just shame um, hurtfulness. I I was like, I I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin that I I didn't want to be in in Seattle anymore. I didn't want to be around my parents. I just wanted to get up and go. Um, and they supported that. Uh, but there's also this sense of, of true freedom. Like I've been fighting so much within myself that once I finally came clean to my parents, and then they also provided that support and love. That I needed. It was just this automatic, like up, uplifting experience Mm -hmm. where I was like, okay, let's go, let's go get Ashley back together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what started the journey of. I mean, I I had lost so much self-love for myself within those three years. And it doesn't sound like a long time, but it really is to. To lose yourself, I I started, you know, this guy gave me a lifestyle that wasn't my reality. I couldn't afford any of this stuff that I was doing. I was going clubbing, getting bottle service. I mean, showing my friends like how awesome of a lifestyle I have and dressing a certain way, acting a certain way. It just, it was so not me. I, it was, I'm actually disgusted with how I, I acted In a way, but um, I'm also glad that I got to experience that part of me to then come out of that reality or false reality, the facade, I should say, lifestyle that I was living, and then come back to being more grounded and falling in love back with myself. Now, four years later, after coming clean about that whole experience to my parents.
1: You know, I I appreciate you sharing this with me and it just makes me think about, you know, I look back on my 20s, you know, and even my 30s, at least the first half of my 30s, and I do think back and go, I don't really like who I was a lot of the time in my 20s. Um, you know, and so when you're talking about You kind of looking at yourself in kind of a negative way. And I mean, I think that there's, for me at least, there's value in kind of looking back and then saying, gosh, look, I've come so far, I've evolved. But I mean, I'm telling my, I'm hearing this and I'm thinking about myself. And I just want to say, oh, but love her, you know, like love her because she was doing the best she was doing the best she could, you know? And, um, even though sometimes the things we did and the way we acted and the whatever, 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 whatever it, we can look back on it and it just makes us cringe. And again, I'm speaking about myself mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we, we ought also to remember to, um, love that girl, you know, love that girl. Cause she was, she was trying, you know, and she was, she was fighting the good fight and she's, she's, uh, you know, here today to fight another day. You know what I mean? Like, um, the evolution and the path that you took is, is important. And as mm-hmm. you said earlier, it was probably the path you were absolutely meant to take. And, and, and there's going to be more twists and turns, right? I mean, Yeah. If you think the rest of it's a straight shot, you're wrong. <laughs>
0: no, no. And I'm okay with it.
1: You're like, no. <laughs> After going
0: you know, just,
1: I just want to encourage you to look back at that time in your life with, with compassion for yourself. You know what I mean?
0: I couldn't for the longest time. I want to say the first two years moving away from Seattle back to Arizona, um, those I thought that I was depressed in Seattle and, and there was no way once I was truly alone and then surviving to pay, you know, my bills, surviving to, I was living still a life of what others, what I thought other people perceived or, sorry. I, I was living. I still felt like people were looking at me and and expecting so much out of me, mm-hmm. and and so I was trying to get these jobs that had titles, you know, executive assistant to blah blah blah, or um, uh, a manager of this, and and then I'm you know chose a place to live where it was just glamorous apartments, and I was still mentally trapped, and um. It wasn't, and and to the point where the depression got so, the depression then became suicidal and, and it, and it wasn't finally until I woke up one day, um, again, I was just so hard on myself. And then when you're alone and you get caught up in your negative thoughts, thoughts are everything. And that's, Mm -hmm. I, I was introduced to Joe Dispenza, which you know of, um, two years after uh, I moved to Arizona and he's, his whole process has really helped me, but what I didn't get introduced to Joe Dispendis, um neurology and neuroscience talk until after I woke up in the hospital on life support alone. When was this? This was right before I met you. This was right before I met you. And I was labeled as Jane Doe. Nobody knew who I was. No one was there when I woke freaking out with this tube down my throat. That is how bad my depression got of me being so hard on myself for allowing myself to get into an arrangement with this, this man and, and rely on, on someone else and not be independent and then also just be struggling to still put on a facade. It was just like, it was all so much. And I knew in that moment, right. Like a couple days afterwards, after I got back out of the hospital, that I don't want to end my life as Jane Doe. Mm -mm. I want to end my life. Well, when my life ends as someone that had purpose and love and helped others, because that's, I want to have a mark um, on someone in this life, or, or many people in this life. And from that moment on is when I made a promise to myself let's gain your self love back. Let's get your independence back. Let's start getting how you were raised, your, your mental business aspect, mm-hmm. your, your, you know, your, your motivation, your drive, mm-hmm. you. Let's get you back on the bandwagon and, and, and start going. And then shortly after that, uh, yeah, Joe Dispenza came into my life, Wayne Dyer. I was listening to Abraham Hicks. You came into my life, um, you know, just being surrounded by boss women with, with motivation, you know, it's like, it's inspiring and it's exactly what I needed. And then you now I've been here four years. So the first two years were just shit crap, like, and 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 craziness and then these last two years two and a half years have just been focused on on love and exploring who is Ashley out of everything that she's been through who who are you who do you want to be what do you want to do like let's get yourself back into just getting creative and, and, and helping others and love. And like, let's get Mm -hmm. you back in a state of love and not a state of depression. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's doesn't just happen overnight, but it it doesn't happen. And it doesn't
1: happen by accident. It sounds like you've realized it's your responsibility.
0: Yes. I mean,
1: the, I, I haven't heard anything in what you're saying where you uh, designate yourself as a victim.
0: No. No, they were all my own choices. Um, In the moment when uh, the beginning of the arrangement. um, Call him Brad with Brad. um, uh, It was just a rush. It was it was a rush of I mean, he came on to me so heavily that it was a rush of. Is anyone going to believe me? When there was a, there was a slight victim, you know, aspect in my thoughts when he came on to me and, and, and we initially started our arrangement of like, is anyone going to believe me? Um, this is, this is so morally bad in so many, in, in different ways, but there was also this sense of like security and, and comfort. And so in the beginning, I did feel a little bit of, of a victim Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but, but then that just disappeared because from then on, I still chose Mm -hmm. to move forward. But do you think maybe that you
1: were (laughs) trying to assuage your guilt about the fact that you were, you know, you knew that he was married and he had a wife and, and that maybe you were like, oh wait, but he came on to me. And so I, I was, almost overwhelming and, or, or. Do you think there is a little bit of older man took advantage of a power dynamic and a, and a, the situation at the time or both?
0: I I am right in between. It's both. Yeah. It's 100% both.
1: Um and I want also want to go back to what you were saying about, um, you were saying just right now that it, morally wrong and, and really putting a hammer on that. But, um, you know, as I was doing this research and, and, and kind of thinking through this and hearing your story, you know, I, I absolutely, my, my personal opinion is I don't attach any morality to, to this kind of arrangement. Um, I don't, it doesn't, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there is such a thing in this situation as a sin or good or bad or moral or immoral. Um, I think when you have two consenting adults, um, who want to engage in a transactional form of dating, whether it's sex or no sex, um, whether the person's married or not married, um, that it's, it's like, it's the way somebody wants to live their life and, you know, engage with another person. And his, his infidelity is between him and his wife. Correct. And, um... You know, so I think it's, I think everybody can have their own opinion, just like everyone can decide for themselves the morals that they want to live in and the, and the boundaries and the life and what's going to make them live at peace with themselves. And so I don't think that this is a black and white situation, no. but I just want, I I just want to say that, you know, I don't have, for me, and maybe it's because I've never really been in that type of situation. Um I'm not saying that there aren't downsides or that there aren't last you know there aren't um negative side effects for being in this relationship depending on you know where you're coming from but um I do think it could be completely it makes sense to me I mean to me it just I, makes sense I to agree
0: me. looking back at it now like I can sit here and I can agree with you um And I'm expressing like in those moments of what I was feeling because of my upbringing, that that had a big part to play in my shame. Yeah. It was his infidelity, but it was my shame somehow.
1: Right. That's
0: interesting. So why
1: do you think you took that on? I mean, I know you explained earlier that you were lying to your parents. And so that was against the way you want to be, you know, and also because it was like a family friend. So that was another layer for you. So do you think if this person was totally a stranger, um, I wonder if you would have had the same sh- feeling of shame or feeling of wrongness?
0: Well, he opened up the gates. Um, like I said, once you go through those gates of breaking down boundaries and and barriers of what is okay and what's not okay. That also led to a world where I was not shameful whatsoever um, with other with other people. So yes, uh, to answer your question, I was not I was not um, ashamed of myself if I was with another married man during that time. But it only was because of the history that. Okay, Brad and I had it was it was so unique that that's what brought out this shamefulness inside me right, yeah, and so, good the the books that you know um the state of affairs i mean she says it perfectly in her book of of how someone can feel, um, you know, so how how someone can feel when when someone's being, you know, um, when someone is cheating on their mistress or like how the mistress could feel. And she just brings out all these different emotions and, I, and thoughts. And like you said, there is no, everyone's going to have their own opinion. So just because I'm saying one thing and how I felt in that moment, yeah. I, I don't feel that way now looking back at it.
1: Right. I feel right.
0: completely fine. And, And I actually, I still love that version of me. I've learned to love that version It's amazing. but it took time to get to that point to say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't sit here and try to hide it and put a a curtain over it. Like it never happened. It fucking happened. So accept it. The more that you accept the things that happen to you, the more you're able to live more, Mm -hmm. better in the now.
1: I totally agree. And I think that you talking about this and sharing it is a huge, you know, step in shining a light and kind of taking away that shame because I don't think it's shameful. Um, Not that what I think, you know, is what is, but I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I don't really see shame having any part in our life. It's like we do, you do the best you can in the moment with what you got. If we're learning and we're growing and we're making, you know, different decisions later in life that make us feel better and good, then that's the point, right? I mean, like we're here to to work it out. We're here to play with being human. We're here to play with emotions and love and our, our physical bodies and to, you know, stay curious, as you said, stay curious about you know, our experiences and what it means and how we feel. I mean, um, so you know, I think it's just, great that you're talking about it.
0: Just learning to love yourself helps open up so many doors and and opportunities. And, you know, part of the reason why I wanna tell my story and and allow this unspoken world to be to be talked about. I want to dive further into that with other people because I know what I went through, but some other people could have gone through way worse or not that bad and had a great time and, you know, and that's great. But when it comes to the moment where you become suicidal, from that moment is a decision to then come back to life, if that's your decision, and then moving forward to make every day a good day to die. Right. Because it's like, Hey, I want to give purpose and I want to give other people a voice by sharing my voice. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know that, um, nothing like my story is worth the shame, the guilt, the depression, um, to think that you need to, go to that extreme measure of suicide.
1: Yes, honey. Yes. Absolutely. 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 And, and that, you know, honestly, unless you're literally physically harming another person, like it, you're going to go to sleep and wake up. It's going to be better the next day. I mean, obviously, yes. you know, if you're, if you do something horrible that affects somebody like you, you injure them or, you know, anything like that. But if if you're in some kind of entanglement, and 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 you're you know doing something that's not in alignment with yourself, and it's creating uh, these these feelings of, of depression and anxiety and self loathing or whatever it is, it's like it is not the end of the world. This is what I can tell you at the age of fifty: is that like how many times? Think about how many more times in the next you know twenty. Two, you know 2 years you're going to go through different ups and downs and different i mean it's a lot and what one of the things i've learned more and more is that everything seems so horrible at a certain point you know they say that it's it's the darkest right before the dawn right yeah it always yes. feels horrible and if you if and you know unluckily i've never struggled struggled with depression so bad that i wanted to kill myself but i have struggled with very, very debilitating anxiety. And, um, and it's, it's not life ending as long as nobody's physically getting hurt, you know, and like, there's no abuse going on, it will get better. You can get through this, you know? And, um, I think, but to your point though, to one of your points, which is you've been able to kind of dip into this world come out of this world, you're still processing it. And, mm-hmm. but what I think the big picture, what it shows is it's a slippery slope is what you're saying too. And depending on people's backgrounds, how they were raised, what are their motivations for getting into these kinds of arrangements. Who is the person like that they're in these arrangements with? Are they kind? Are they loving, or are they manipulative and psychotic and abusive and controlling? And who knows what else? You know what I mean? it's it's a slippery slope, and it can be a very precarious lifestyle. And uh-huh. it can be probably difficult it could be difficult for some people to, you know, extract themselves from.
0: Um, but what I do, but it not- also could be beautiful too. You know, it could be a really beautiful experience for a lot of people. If you're again, clear on your intent.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that this is one of the really cool things about arrangements is that people say exactly what they want and exactly what they don't want and what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And all of this becomes almost like a, it's like a prenuptial agreement. It's like a pre-relationship agreement.
0: Absolutely. You're like,
1: okay, let's get the things on the table. Let's seal the deal. Okay. And now let's commence, you know, mm-hmm. and I love this. And I think you can take that same, um, and which it sounds like what you're doing. You're taking those same skill sets of communicating at the onset. Um, and by the way, what you're, what you're communicating and what you want and what your goals and boundaries are at this point on the, uh, you know, at 28 years old might be completely different than when you're, you know, 40 or when you're 50, when you're 60, depending on what life circumstances you have. I mean, I know for me, the, the kind of the terms I was attempting to negotiate when I was 35 are completely different than the terms I'm negotiating at 50. And, Mm -hmm. um, but the, but the common theme is know what the hell you want. How about know being what you self-aware.
0: want? Yeah. What, self-aware and being honest with what yourself. What you want and
1: what you don't want. And why would you be afraid to tell a potential relationship person that you might be in some any kind of relationship with, why would you be afraid? I mean, I know why we would be afraid because we kind of like, Oh, that guy, that person's cute. I kind of want ha- to hang out with them. And if I tell them what mm-hmm. I really want or what I don't want, then maybe they won't want to hang out with me. But guess what? If you, it's like, if you say what you really, really want, the people that want what you want are going to be attracted to you and then you get what you want.
0: Yeah. It's pretty damn simple. (laughs) It really is. And and it's like the more that I am putting it out there, you know, manifesting and, and saying like, this is what I want. I'm like receiving guys. Not receiving it. I'm um, receiving I'm receiving. I'm in a receiving I, line
1: of men.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I I just try to explore even, you know, getting in a relationship with my best friend because I came down, you know, from this journey that where I started and where I'm at now, I became so in love with myself that I'm now giving myself permission to be loved. Mm. I haven't allowed myself to be loved in a really long time. And I saw that, you know, my best friend loves me and I know that I love him. So let's try to explore, like, can we turn that, turn that love into like being in love with each other? (laughs) He was a beautiful person and it was, it was just a nice, like finally to be able to get to a point where I, the point of the story is to be able to get to a point where I now see that I deserve love. And then the next guy that comes into my life, maybe he'll be here for a long time. Maybe he's just another person I need to work on something else with. Right. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm open to accepting all forms of love right now, yeah. whether it's temporary or long-term, but Ooh, I love I know. that.
1: I love that. I'm, I'm open to accepting all forms of love right now. Ooh, so yes. good. So good.
0: It's, it's awareness with yourself and it's, and it's God, it's just like, I feel my, my heart coming out of my chest, like most, the most days because I, mm-hmm. I, it's coming inward now, inward to external Ooh.
1: versus
0: just keeping up a wall that I have, I've broken down Yes, and, and it's just amazing when you start living with love.
1: It is.
0: And, and,
1: you know, I think what's interesting is, is I, I'm just going to speak specifically about you because I know you and I know you very well. And I've always seen you this way. This is, this is what's really interesting to me. Because we probably did meet about, I mean, let's see, I've been divorced for three years and we were working together before I was divorced, right? So it had to be three mm-hmm. and a half years ago, at least. Yeah. Something, or maybe it was three years. Maybe it was three years. Did did I, you start working with me right as I was getting a divorce? Yeah. Because yeah. Danielle Danielle introduced, that was three years ago. But I've yeah. always seen you this way. Like I've always seen you as this glowing ball of joyous amazingness. That's what I, that's what I was attracted to when I first met you. I was like, oh my God, she's smart. She's cool. She's got great experience and she's got this energetic field that I just want to be around. And, um, and it's like when, when that you... Ashley start seeing and loving yourself the way others naturally see you without even trying. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. why do why do we as individuals have a hard time seeing seeing ourselves for lack of a better way to explain it, the way God sees us, right? Why do we have a problem loving ourselves the way others can love us, the way our mothers love us, right? That's the kind of love we get to grow for ourselves, for ourselves.
0: Yeah.
1: And when, when you're really connecting with that, then it becomes the law of attraction, right? Then it's just like this mm-hmm. magnetic field that you're pulling towards you. Yeah. And you're in that space right now.
0: A 100%. A 100%. I'm in that space and, and No, I mean, when you get to a point where, where I'm at to overcome your, your past, your traumatic experiences, um, everyone's got trauma, everyone's got baggage, but when you actually overcome them and then you're like, wait a second, I, I have always told myself I don't deserve this. I, I, I. I was so hard on myself saying that I, you know, deserve to be unhappy and I self-sabotage is what it's called. Some people go through this state of self-sabotage and get stuck in that. And that's when they don't realize love or experience love. And so to come out of that and saying, I don't need to live in self-sabotage anymore. I deserve things. I deserve to be loved. I deserve peace of mind. I deserve to be financially happy I deserve I mean it's not just one thing it's usually multiple things and then to get yourself to a state of being in in alignment with yourself and what you do deserve that that becomes the beauty of of living mm-hmm. and attracting people and attracting people like you know uh, like yourself in my life in my life and in, in in yours and um I mean, so many other people, I finally have a solid friend group that's just, just there, mm-hmm. just a, a solid support friend group. Mm-hmm. Like I can say anything and not be ashamed of of anything, whether it's, you know, my romantic life, my, um, uh, you know, financial state, my uh, family, you know, it could mm-hmm. be anything. It's like to finally get yourself to a point where... I don't care how, what I say anymore. I don't care. I've let myself free in so many aspects where I'm, I'm now just like, no, I'm doing me 24 yeah. seven and no one's going to stop me.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: I and love it feels that. really, really good to be soaring up high and, and being like, wow, I survived all of my own bullshit, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. Very good. Well, is there anything we want else to say about just this idea of arrangements? Or you think we've covered it? I think I think
0: we've. I, I think we've covered it. I mean, whether it's not, it's neither good. It's not, it's not bad. It's, it's just, it's another way of, of having a partner in your life. Mm-hmm. Having someone in your life and if you're going to be involved with it, just be a hundred percent content with and, and honest with yourself on what you're willing to give and what you're willing to, um, what you want to receive and what you want to give, because the clearer you are, the better the arrangement is going to be for the both of you, um, and then there's no, you know there's no years later trauma right. that I experienced. Right. And so I don't I, I I wouldn't necessarily get in another one today, but I also am not gonna tell people not to get in one. Right. Well I'm and very I, neutralized now. I, I also think
1: though that modern relationships can be I mean the word arrangement whatever but I mean all relationships are a negotiation all relationships are a give and take every relationship each person gives things and receives things and those things are negotiated over time and if and if you Absolutely. can't come to an agreement you 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 end the relationship you know and if we stop pretending that that relationships are not negotiated arrangements that where we're mutually satisfied you know what i mean that's really what a successful relationship is is where there's a successful negotiation where both parties have mutual satisfaction and yes. and every relationship is different all of those terms are negotiated that are negotiated are different in each relationship, but I think the what your point is, and I and I totally agree, is if we can bring this idea of clear communication into into not only our romantic relationships but all of our relationships.
0: Yeah, whether it's with family, friends, um,
1: career, work.
0: Yes, work. if I came into an interview clear of what I'm worth and what I'm willing to give and do and what I want out of that career, I'm going to get what I want. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give, you know, to, uh, you know, what my boss is expecting of me, but I mean, it's in all relationships. It's not yeah. just this, Yeah, which is the beautiful part.
1: Yeah. And I think the more honest we can be, first of all, getting really in touch with what's important to us and then being really good at practicing communicating um, those, those things, um, we're, we're going to have more joy and more pleasure and more safety and more everything in, in our relationships. It's really the message is, is, is communication and you know there is something quite honest about you know these arrangements where they're just putting it all on the table and um and again as long as you you can just accept it for what it is and and not be in this moral turmoil torturous you know kind of uncertainty about what it what it all means you know and i think you had circumstances that were definitely complicating it for sure, you know?
0: But if you were to remove that, and if I were to be, know that I needed to be more honest with myself and clear, things would have gone that those three years would have been way different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Way different. Okay, dear. So did you, do you want to um, tell, the four listeners that I have, um, where to find you or where they can um, learn more about what you're up to, or just, uh, follow you on Instagram. What, what do you want to tell us?
0: Yeah. So, um, I recently started a blog called money, sex and status. Um, it's money, sex and And, um, I'm going to just talk more in depth about my story, um, more detailed about what happened through really those three years, the depression state, where I'm at today, how how the goddess within me awoken, what I've done since um, the goddess in me awoken, and what I want to continue to do moving forward, and I really want to allow this log to evolve into a place where people can you know talk and communicate, and, and it be a support program or a support place for people, um, to seek help or just comfort. in, you know, maybe this, the arrangement that they're in, um, I'm going to allow it to evolve to whatever beautifulness it's, it's going to be, but that's where you can find me and you can uh, find my contact information, um, on that, on that website. Awesome. All right, dear. Thank you so
1: much. You're welcome. <music>